Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. This is Daniel Michael, and it's been a few weeks. We have not been on the air with Green Magic, Green Medicine with Susan Weed, but we are right now. And join us as we continue our discussion about herbal antibiotics. Blessed are we in the awakening dawn. Blessed are we in the morning. Blessed are we in the light of the day as we enjoy the afternoon. Blessed are we as the twilight descends and the magic of dusk is upon us. And blessed are we in the dark of the night as we slip into dreams that are calling. Blessed are we in the awakening dawn. Archaeology, Forgotten History, Divination, Magic, Cryptozoology, UFOs, Nature, Science, and Spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. All right, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Green Magic, Green Medicine with your host, Ms. Susan Weed the great herbal medicine expert that's been with us now for, I think, about five years almost or something close to that. And I want to let everyone know there are new hosts coming, including Reverend Trish, who started her show. She's from the Science of Mind movement, and she's sort of – it's a little bit law of attraction church, and they actually have a little building. There's an also an Arlington metaphysical church building uh, around here. So the, Northern Virginia is an interesting place and an interesting place to draw from. And Reverend Tris had a great conversation last week. If you listen to the archive, you can hear it. But, of course, now I see Miss Susan Weed is in the queue. So I'm blessed 
in my life to be surrounded by many wise women, Janice and others, and Jesse, and so many in the Main Street Universe radio network, and of course, Susan Weed. And welcome, Susan. So nice to be back on the air with you after so many technical and other kind of difficulties. <laughs> Yes, I've had other friends who've been having internet difficulties too, and one of them said that she thinks it's because so many people are streaming movies. Hmm. That the capacity is being stressed. Yeah. And uh, I thought that was interesting. For us personally, it was that we had construction work going on at the house, and I think somebody cut a wire. Oops. <laughs> I see. But All right. That doesn't explain the other weeks, but it right. explains uh, one of them. It just seemed to be this sort of Mercury, whatever. <laughs> Mercury is always doing something odd, isn't it? Indeed. We had a wonderful weekend. It's gotten warm here again, real Indian summer kind of time. And we went out and played around with mint family plants. We harvested some lemon balm and we harvested some mint. As a matter of fact, we harvested so much mint, we made a big jar of mint vinegar, and then we made a big jar of mint honey, and then we still had mint left over. And so we're doing what I call kind of an a alternate drying technique, which is to cut up the mint as though you were going to make honey or vinegar from it, um, but leave it loose in a stainless steel bowl and kind of um, go through it and toss it in the air several times mm-hmm. a day. And I find that with many of the fall-harvested aromatic plants, um, basil works well that way, rosemary, lemon balm, mint we've dried that way. It's a little faster than hanging it to dry. And the color as isn't quite as myself, I approve of that. <laughs> yes, but the trade-off is that you can dry so much more, so much more quickly. And it is easier to cut when it's fresh than it is when it's dry. And it's got to be cut up to be used anyhow, so... Might as well just do it then. I had a call on my blog talk show today from a, a person who was diagnosed with a Yersinia infection. And she said that she looked in Stephen Booner's book, the one we're looking at, Herbal Antibiotics, and that he recommended Usnia against uh, Yersinia infections. Usnia is the plant that we're most delving into right now, although it's a little hard to remember because we started a month ago. And um, that it hadn't completely cleared the infection for her. And, and so I said, well, let's look at the book and see what else he says, you know, can be effective. And we saw that licorice would magnify, if we used with the usnea, uh, would magnify um, the effect of usnea against a variety of uh, pathogens um, and, in fact, help drugs against those pathogens again uh, as well. And then we kept looking, and we came upon um, Artemisia. And that was the very first of the plants in Stephen Booner's book, Herbal Antibiotics, that we talked about was Artemisia. And we especially focused in on Artemisia annua, but all of the Artemisias. And one of them, of course, is Artemisia absinthum, which is wormwood. And knowing the woman that I was talking to, I've in fact known her for a very long time, I realized that wormwood would really be perfect for her. Um, you probably have heard of absence. Yes. 
and what do you associate absinthe with? I associate it with uh, wormwood and a little cube of sugar and everything. And being a musician, I um, have in the past associated it with partying and and many other things. Um, uh, visions, uh, people. There, it was a and time creativity. when creativity, looking at things in new ways, and that's very much who she is. She's a woman who's always been willing to look at things in new ways and to be creative. And I thought, wow, that wormwood is so going to be helpful. I'm really eager to hear back from her in a few weeks and see, indeed, how helpful or not the wormwood has been for her. So we have been talking about Uznia. Uznia is a... Lichen. There's not a lot of lichens that are used in herbal medicine. And Usnea is the primary lichen that um, is used. It's If you think of old man's beard, if you've ever been down in Florida and those areas where there's kind of, some people call it moss. They call it Spanish moss drips off the trees. It's actually a lichen. It's kind of gray, and it does look like a beard. And Usnea looks actually a lot like that. But when you gently pull on a strand of it, holding it in both hands and pulling your hands apart, that strand will will break, but inside will be like a little uh, white elastic-y thread that won't break quite so easily. That's the mark of Usnia. It doesn't get as long or as big as old man's beard, but looks very much like it. And when you tincture Usnia, and we talked about how difficult it is to prepare Usnia, that it really resists efforts to uh, prepare it and that herbalists will freeze it and then powder it and then cook it, right, and cook it in water and then cook it down and add some alcohol to it and tincture it and really work hard to get what's in Usnia out. And so we kind of wanted to um, ask ourselves, why on earth would people do that? Mm-hmm. So. I'm going to repeat some of the information that we probably talked about the last time we were together, starting with the chemistry of usnea. And usnic acid is the main constituent. It is highly antibacterial, and it can contain, depending on the species, usnea can contain from 0.2% to 6.5% of this compound. And Stephen talks about the species that are supposed to have the most. Um, however, he says, that may not be so important because there are other constituents in Usnea that are also strong, strongly antibacterial. The strongest of them are Hertusnianoside and Vulpinic Acid. Ooh, Vulpinic Acid. And a whole host of other things. There's an entire page here of other things, including a lobaric acid and stichnic acid. And the last thing he says is a lot of other stuff is in the plant, and about 50% of it is water-soluble polysaccharides, poly, many saccharides, saccharin sugar. So they're complex sugars. One of the most Interesting developments in the medical chemistry of lichens is the recognition that lichens harbor fungi that are themselves bio 
active. So here's the lichen, and on the outside surface of the lichen are fungi, which are mushrooms, but they can be very small. And others actually are incorporated into the lichen. They actually live inside the lichen. One particular lichen that has been studied has over a thousand different fungi living on and within it. Usneas have not been studied the way that particular lichen has been studied, but the studies that have been done find that there are numerous fungal strains which possess bioactivity medicinally when usnea is used. An associated fungus from an usnea, for example, contains some unusual compounds which inhibit the migration of cancer cells and possess anti-amoebic and antimicrobial activity. Stephen reminds us that plants are exceptionally complex and their full chemical range is unlikely to ever be completely understood. Nonetheless, all plants are potently synergistic in their chemical actions. And no doubt some of the actions attributable to osmia are from associated fungi that are growing in and on the osmia. And this makes me <clears throat> wonder if the heating and the freezing and the pounding and all of that, what these do to those fungal strains. Do they help them? Do they hinder them? Do they make the osmia more bioactive? Is that something that we're actually doing in our quest to um, make a tincture of usnea? Are we, in fact, finding ways that don't just break down the usnea, but actually activate some of those fungi? We don't know yet. That's why herbal medicine is so much fun. Traditional uses of usnea. Commonly called, called old man's beard, usnea grows on living and dead trees throughout the world. It is most common, in fact, quite common in North America, Europe, Asia, and Africa, and less so in South America and Australia. I found it very abundantly <clears throat> excuse me, in New Zealand. <clears throat> Thus, it is widely available, and its strong antibacterial properties make it a significant herb in the treatment of antibiotic-resistant bacteria. Remember, there are many different species of usnea, and some are as small as a little tuft, and some are long, hanging strands that really do look like hair. The smaller species are usually gray-green, and the larger hanging ones are more like a, a yellowish-green. As a lichen, remember that usnea is not just one thing, but actually a symbiote of two plants. The inner part of all lichens... <clears throat> is a cortex, and in Usnea, that is a thin white thread, which is actually a filamentous fungi that can be stretchy like a rubber band. The outer part of the Usnea, which is called the thallus, is an algae, and it gives the lichen its color, and it grows around the inner rubber band-like cortex. The algae, which is usually some kind of cyanobacteria, is a photobiont and provides photosynthesis for the symbiotic organism, the fungi. 
The fungi provides water and minerals to the algae. The distinctive method then of identifying usmia is wetting it and stretching it to see if it is springy. And when it does snap, to look for that distinctive white thread. This inner band is the strongest part of its immune-stimulating action. And the outer sheath is where the other actions, that is the antibacterial actions, come from. Usnea has traditionally been used throughout the world against skin infections, abscesses, upper respiratory infections, lung infections, vaginal infections, and fungal infections anywhere in the body. Usnea is sometimes soaked in garlic juice, and that is then used to treat large gaping wounds in the body. And not just Usnea, Spanish moss, which we all recognize, has also been used that way. And, of course, sphagnum moss, which is a true moss, not a lichen, is used that way. And it also <coughs> has fungi riders and is highly antibacterial and a wonderful healer for wounds. The Spanish moss, which is a lichen, absorbs blood and provides antibacterial, anti-inflammatory, antiseptic, astringent, analgesic, and wound-healing actions. Usnea is still used against abscesses in veterinary practice in Canada. There are about 30 species of Usnea that grow in India, and they have been used in traditional Ayurvedic practice, but, says Stephen, I can't find anything specific about what it's used to treat or how it's used, just that it is used. Generally, in Chinese medicine, Usnia is called Sunglo, sometimes Haifeng Teng. And again, there are many species of Usnia that are used, and they are thought to clear heat and to clear the liver of sthenic heat. In traditional Chinese medicine, usnea is used for the treatment of coughs due to hot phlegm, conjunctivitis, headaches, carbuncles, and tuberculosis in the lymph nodes. The Chinese believe that usnea is an antipyretic, that means it lowers fevers, a mucolytic, which means it helps the mucus to flow. A detoxicant, it helps to remove metabolic byproducts from the body. An anti-inflammatory and an analgesic. And an analgesic is something that helps to relieve or remove pain internally. In Western botanic practice, usnea was not used in American herbalism as it came to the early colonists and the settlers. Indigenous cultures in the Americas do know Usnia, and they do use it primarily as a wound dressing. But as American herbalists began to stretch their wings 
and to begin to interface with their peers in India and China and to learn more about the Chinese use of Uznia. And we recognized that this was an herb we didn't have to import. American herbalists have come more and more to embrace Uznia and to find it a highly effective herb that just about everybody will want to visit a place where Uznia grows and see if you can make some Uznia tincture. Stephen, of course, likes to share the scientific research with us, and we are so glad that he does all of that. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you. Most of the scientific studies don't focus on Uznia, but on Uznic acid. Basically, the studies are trying to develop a pharmaceutical drug. Nearly all the work has been in vitro. Vitro means glass, in other words, in petri dishes. There have been no clinical trials using the herb, that would be with people, and no in vivo studies. Vivo is life, so that's animal studies. There are a few clinical trials in China that used either usnic acid or its sodium salt, sodium usnate. In clinical trials with sodium usnate in the treatment of pulmonary and intestinal tuberculosis, clinicians found a rapid improvement with the use of usnia and a reduction of cough, anorexia, fever, and diarrhea. Microscopic examinations after 14 days of use of usnia were negative for tuberculobacillus. In one trial with 30 cases of pulmonary tuberculosis using sodium usnate, 24 were completely cured in the 14 days. One had marked improvement and five merely improved. That's all 30. The average treatment length for complete remission was 71 days, and the dosage was 30 milligrams three times a day. In another trial, 203 cases of chronic bronchitis were effectively treated with either usnic acid or sodium usnate. The compounds showed not just antibacterial action, but strong antitussive, expectorant, and anti-asthmatic effects as well. In the treatment of surgical suppurative wounds, in other words, a wound has been made through a surgical incision, and then that wound has a difficult time healing, and it might suppurate, get infected. Sodium usnate stimulated the separation of necrotic tissue and the growth of new tissue. It was strongly disinfectant and anti-erosive, stimulating the healing of second- and third-degree burns, cervical erosions, and cracked nipples. And this was one that I went, oh, wow, this is big news. And how did I not find this when I was writing down there? Usnia has been found effective in the treatment of trichinomus vaginatus. Trichinomus is a very difficult organism to deal with, and I am so glad that Usnia is there to help us. In veterinary practice, a 1% alcohol solution of usnic acid is used effectively for treating superating conjunctivitis, endometritis, mastitis, and superating wounds. Usnic acid at a dose of 20 milligrams once or twice daily for six days 
and then 10 milligrams daily for an additional 25 days stopped the development of tuberculosis in guinea pigs. It also stopped the development of pathological tissues in spleen, liver, and lungs of the guinea pigs who had uznic acid added to their diet. Which, when I read that, and I still do not exactly understand what Stephen is saying, but it sounds like that adding uznic acid to your diet can cause pathological tissue to develop in your spleen, liver, and lungs, but the uznic acid itself, although it does that, also counters its own tendency to do that. I could be reading that all wrong, but that's what it sounds like to me. Two studies focused on the gastric mucosa protective actions of uznic acid and diphractaic acid. Diphractaic acid inhibits gastral mucosal lesions, oxidative stress, and neutrophil infiltration. Uznic acid prevents endomethacin-induced gastric ulcers in mice and was found to be a very potent antioxidant. A water extract of usnea prevented induced gastric ulcers in rats and was found to be a strong antioxidant. So if you have been diagnosed with heliobacter, usnea is probably the safest thing to take. Remember that heliobacter, while it is an organism that does cause stomach and duodenal ulcers, is also an organism that is important to have in a healthy stomach. Antibiotics, of course, simply wipe it out, leaving us vulnerable, because now we don't have heliobacter, which we actually need. Usnea, however, simply knocks it back to a healthy amount. A methanol extract of usnea prevented pulmonary thrombosis in rats and prevented platelet aggregation in vitro in a Petri dish. In other studies, the anti-inflammatory activity of various usnea species has been found to be as strong as and occasionally superior to hemisuconate, I'm sorry, I'm not a druggist, so I don't know what hemisuconate is. And hydrocortisone, we all know what that is. And phenylbutazone, and I think that's something that we know about too. So usnea is strong as, it's sometimes stronger than certain drugs. In addition, the analgesic, that is pain-killing action, is as strong as noraminophenazone, and the antipyretic activity is as strong as or stronger than aminophenazone. These are drugs, and what we are saying here is that usnea is a plant which has few to no side effects and yet is as effective, sometimes more effective, than drugs that would be used in similar situations. Usnea is active in both acute and chronic inflammation and significantly accelerates skin wound healing. The methanol extract 
is found to be hepatoprotective in rats when there is an ethanol-induced toxicity. And ethanol is byproduct of alcohol. Usnea possesses antioxidant actions, is a strong superoxide and a free radical, and is active in preventing lipid peroxidation. Usnea barbata, the most commonly used usnea, inhibits prostaglandin E2 synthesis and COX-2 expression and appears to be protective of keratinocytes that have been exposed to ultraviolet light. Usnea possesses a very strong wound closure activity. Both usnic acid and diphractic acid have shown anti-fever and anti-pain actions. Usnea and usnic acid, both in vitro and in vivo, inhibit cancer cell formation and the proliferation of breast and pancreatic cell lines and they are effective in induced colorectal cancer in rats. Crude extracts of Usnea fasciata showed 90% inhibition of sarcoma in vitro. In general, there has been too little clinical research on the effectiveness of traditional uses of Usnea. I can say, however, that in my clinical practice, I have found the herb very effective for topical use in the treatment of all resistant bacteria as a douche and for resistant urinary tract infections. And that's what Stephen Herod Booner in his book Herbal Antibiotics has to tell us about Usnea. Usnea is a wonderful plant to look for in the wintertime since there's so many fewer things to distract your eyes and yes the lichens are there summer and winter and remember that some people freeze the usnea before they tincture it anyhow so going out in a cold and frozen day and harvesting frozen usnea is one step further along in the process of getting all of the stuff polysaccharides usnic acid all those hundreds and hundreds of different constituents that work so well synergistically together to help usnea heal wounds, even wounds that have antibiotic-resistant infections, and to get deep into tissues, deep into the bladder, deep into bones, deep into the spleen, and to really rout out infection. And remember that I mentioned possibly the first time we, we were talking about usnea of this series mm-hmm. that um, a woman who had a hip replacement that had gone bad and the surgeons were talking about cutting it open again and shortening her leg and seeing if they could replace it, that usnea was the thing that really pulled her through and really quenched that infection that she had at that replacement. So when it's deep, when we need to go deep into things, if we have usnea tincture on hand, it's certainly something that we can use and we can use in fairly lavish amounts I have never seen anybody um, putting out any scare stories uh, about Usnea. Stephen says that basically um, they the only possibility for a problem is that Usnea can absorb heavy metals. And that's particularly true in northern latitudes 
usually the amount of usnea that we're taking is not going to contribute heavy metals to our bodies. But if you are concerned about that, be sure that the usnea that you harvest is not in a strongly polluted area or near a factory. Um, Stephen goes on to say that usnic acid can be toxic, but that's an isolated constituent. And it was sold for weight loss, and people get into all kinds of trouble when they take isolated constituents for weight loss. And that he was concerned that people were going to try to ban usnea. I don't think that's going to happen. It does not seem that it's going to happen. And should you be able to buy usnic acid? Because we've been talking about it. Don't use it. The usnea lichens are extremely safe for use, but usnic acid is not. And I wanted to say that we are... Over our time, I just wanted to respect your time, Susan, is all, and to say that it's past the half hour. And, and uh, so we have come to, once again, a wonderful end. And yes. we'll join you again next week to help to rekindle and restore herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine. Green blessings grow right outside your door. All right, and thank you, everyone. You're listening to another episode of Green Magic, Green Medicine with Susan Weed. And thank you so much again, Susan, for, I know it's been a few weeks since we've been on the air, and so it was so lovely to to hear your voice again and to be on the air with you again. And I really appreciate it. Yours, too. Till next week, then. Green blessings. Bye-bye. All right, green blessings. Good night. Forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network.